0: This morning, I would like you to return to Mark chapter 10, and I want to begin by reading verses 46 to 52. In the chair Bible in front of you, it's page 1007, and you may want to take that Bible and follow along. And listen to this episode in the life of Jesus. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight, and he followed him on the way. Now, this incredible story may have two possible effects on us this morning. One, obviously, it thrills us to see the love, compassion, and power of Jesus in healing a blind beggar. But it's very possible also as we read this story that it discourages us. Because we might be here today and say, you know, I've got some pretty serious problems, and I don't expect Jesus to make them go away like he did this blindness with this man named Bartimaeus. As a teenager growing up, I had a pretty serious acne problem, and it required regular medical attention. And it very much affected my image, my image of myself. Now, obviously, it didn't compare at all to the sadness that we find in congenital blindness. But to a teenager trying to fit in. It was very much something that I wished God would make go away. And maybe you're like that here today. Maybe you have a nagging, defeating problem, and you read a story like this, and you say, I wish God would make my problem go away like Jesus did in this story. You know what the news is for us today? This story in Mark's gospel is not about what Jesus did long ago. It is about what he continues to do today, because he is alive. And what we have to understand is this. Our greatest needs are not external needs. They are internal needs. Bill Bennett was at one time the drug czar of the United States, and he wrote a great book called The Book of Virtues. And this is what he said. He said, America's greatest problems are not political or economic, but they are spiritual and moral. They are internal, not external. And what is true of our country is true of us as individuals. Our biggest problems are not on the outside, but they are on the inside. And Jesus came to change our inside problems if we will meet his conditions. This morning, as we look at this wonderful story, the title of it really very much is, Jesus Christ Can Change Your Life. And there's a very simple lesson that I want to work out in our message time together. And that lesson is this. A life-changing encounter with Jesus occurs if we meet life-changing conditions. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Father, thank you today that we are not alone in this sanctuary, but Jesus is here by his Holy Spirit. And thank you that as he changed the life of a simple, ordinary man named Bartimaeus, he can do the very same for us. But there are conditions And if we will meet those conditions, Jesus will change us. That's our greatest need. Help us now to see how. In his name, amen. Here's condition number one. We must be willing to make an admission about ourselves. Now, Bartimaeus really pictures all of us. When we look into the Bible, we are not seeing a character 2,000 years ago, but we are seeing a truth about us. In Jesus' day, blind beggars like this were very, very common, as they are in many parts of the world yet today. And the Bible is very, very clear that blindness is a picture of our greatest problem. When we look at this man, very much like what Bartimaeus was like, we're not simply seeing him. We are seeing ourselves spiritually as God sees us. It's so important that we understand this this morning. Look at what the Bible says as it compares physical blindness to spiritual blindness. Would you read with me 2 Corinthians 4.4? Let's read it together. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Notice how in Ephesians chapter 4, we are told what the spiritual blindness is like. The Apostle Paul writes, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. That you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice what this blindness is like. Our understanding is darkened. We're alienated from God's life because of sin. We are ignorant of God's truth, and it is all because we are spiritually blind. The Bible is teaching us that naturally, the way we are born, we are lost, groping about in spiritual darkness. Probably the most famous person who uh, ever lived who was blind that we are aware of is a woman by the name of Helen Keller. One day somebody came to Helen Keller very bluntly and they said to her, isn't it terrible to be blind? This woman responded to them and this is what she said, better to be blind and to see with your heart than to have two good eyes and to see nothing. Let me say that again. Helen Keller said, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and to see nothing. And we are all born spiritually blind in our hearts. We may have two good eyes, but we cannot see with our hearts. We do not see how bad our sin truly is. We don't see what it is going to cause and the trouble it will lead to. We don't see the direction it is leading in our life. We do not see the wrath of God facing us at the end of life. We don't see how much we need Jesus. And we do not see the eternal loss that we will face in an eternity apart from God. What the Bible is teaching us is this. The very first step towards a changed life is to see ourselves spiritually as Bartimaeus was physically. Have you ever seen yourself like that? See, one thing Bartimaeus knew, he was blind. He was reminded of it every single day. He knew he was helpless. And for Jesus to change our lives, we must admit the very same thing. We are spiritually blind, helpless, In our sin, there's a second condition in this story that we must meet if we are to have a life changing encounter with Jesus, and that is we must have an experience of saving faith. Now, the heart of this story that Bartimaeus had a life changing encounter with Jesus is really about his faith. In fact, the key verse at the end of the story is Jesus' words to him when he said, Go your way, your faith has made you well. What is interesting is the gospel of Mark here omits Jesus' healing actions. Matthew says that Jesus touched Bartimaeus. And Luke, in his account, says that Jesus said to him, receive your sight. But Mark omits both of those because he wants us to focus upon the faith of Bartimaeus. And what he is teaching us is that if we have the faith of Bartimaeus as well, Jesus will change our lives as well. Did you know not all faith is the same? That's absolutely true. And Jesus responds to only one kind of faith, and that is saving faith. And this morning, if you were to say to me, Pastor Brian, where could you take me in the Bible where you could see in the greatest and clearest way what saving faith is truly all about? I could not do better than this story with Bartimaeus. Let's notice for a few moments what it means to have life-changing faith. It is the key for Jesus changing your life. Number one, saving faith is a faith that is convinced. Did you notice that two times in the story, we are told in verses 47 and 48, that Bartimaeus called Jesus the son of David. Do you know in the entire gospel record of Mark, only one other person used that title? It was Jesus himself. Jesus alone, outside of Bartimaeus, is the only one in 16 chapters in Mark's gospel to call himself the son of David. Now clearly it was a messianic title, describing Jesus as Israel's Messiah, heir to the throne of David. And we have to ask the question, how did Bartimaeus come to this conclusion when so many Jews in Israel, even at this late date, by the last week of Jesus' life, are still questioning who he was? Well, The answer is, the Old Testament prophets predicted that when Messiah came, he would open the eyes of people born congenitally blind. Look at one of the prophecies with me, Isaiah 35.5. Let's read what the prophet said the Messiah would do. Read it with me. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Do you know in the Old Testament there's not one recorded instance of a blind man being healed from blindness? Let me take it another step. In all of recorded history, all of recorded history, up until the time of Jesus, not one person ever was healed from congenital blindness. Guess which was Jesus' most common miracle? Opening the eyes of the blind. So here comes Jesus Performing the messianic sign. And yet many refused to believe in him. Maybe that describes you. Let me ask you, how is it possible that a blind beggar, a nobody, put it all together when many others did not? Let me ask you this. If you were blind from birth and you read in the Old Testament or had read to you in synagogue that when Messiah came, he would open the eyes of the blind, would you not be looking for him to come? Of course you would. Bartimaeus was looking for the Messiah. And he knew what the Old Testament said Messiah would do. And then he began to hear that Jesus, on a regular basis, was opening the eyes of the congenitally blind, and Bartimaeus decided he is the one. He was convinced. Saving faith can never begin in your heart, can never change your life until you are convinced Jesus is who he said he was. Notice the second thing. Saving faith is a humbled faith. In this passage, twice Bartimaeus cried for mercy. Now mercy is what you ask for when you realize that you are needy and only helpless beggars cry for mercy. Let me ask you, who is more helpless than a beggar? I'll give you an answer. A blind beggar. We keep coming back to this picture Do we not? We keep coming back here. You see, a man who could see could work. And if he could work, he could be called away from begging to work in the fields and earn his money. But a blind man could not work. He's totally dependent. And Bartimaeus is exactly the kind of person that Jesus came for. Jesus would say, I didn't come to call the righteous. No, I came to call those who have humbled themselves and recognized their sinners. I want you to notice also that saving faith is a determined faith. As we read this story, what we discover is Bartimaeus faced three obstacles that could have very easily kept him from Jesus. Obviously, he could not see Jesus, and so that was one obstacle. A second obstacle was Jesus initially was passing him by, and that was a second obstacle. You know what the greatest obstacle was? The greatest obstacle was the crowd. It was the crowd. You see, it was common for rabbis to teach as they traveled, And so as Bartimaeus began to make a commotion, it would have been very difficult for the crowd to hear Jesus as he taught. Add to this, the disciples truly believed that when they arrived in Jerusalem, Jesus would be crowned king. And in their minds, this is no time for a beggar. And so this became a tremendous obstacle to Bartimaeus. But did you notice He would not be deterred. The more they shushed, the more he shouted. In fact, the text here suggests that he got louder and louder and more insistent, and he refused to be deterred. May I say something very important to us this morning? Satan will do whatever he can to keep you from a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Please mark that down. There's a battle going on here in this church today. It's a battle between the risen Son of God who wants to change your life and it's a battle with Satan who will do everything that he can to keep you from a life-changing encounter with Jesus. When I was a teenager, the Youth for Christ ministry in our area held a rally in our high school auditorium. At the close of that rally, they gave an invitation for anyone to come forward who wanted to receive Jesus. Only one girl came forward. In fact, she ran to the front, just like Bartimaeus, it says, He sprang up. And as I watched this girl run to the front as a teenager sitting in our high school auditorium, I thought to myself, man, did that take a lot of courage. In front of all of her friends. At the high school. Everyone else watching. No one responding. All alone. And you may be like that today. You may be the only one in your family who comes to Jesus. You may be the only one amongst your friends to say, I need a Savior. People often will say it's easy to believe. Don't you accept that. Sometimes it takes a tremendous amount of courage to come to Jesus. Notice as we look at this definition of saving faith, we see that it was also a repentant faith. A repentant faith. Did you notice verse 50 says, He threw off His cloak. That's most unusual for a blind man to do. Look at this man's cloak. You know what that was? It was his security. For Bartimaeus, that cloak was the bed that he slept on. It was the, the blanket that he used to keep him warm. Do you know it was even the rug that he would lay before him as he collected coins. By the way, to toss it aside for a blind man, that meant if he was not healed, he would probably never find it again. You know what this reveals to us? This reveals Bartimaeus casting aside all that he would depend upon for his own security and trusting Jesus only. And what this illustrates for us is repentance. If you were to say to me, Pastor Brian, what is repentance? I would say it is turning from whatever you are depending upon for your own security and coming to Jesus. For some of us, it's our religion that we have been trusting instead of Jesus. And we may have to cast that religion aside. For others of us, it is our self-righteousness and the fact that we believe that we are acceptable to God on our own merits. And we have to cast that aside. For others of us, it might be some sinful habit, a lifestyle or a choice, and we want to cling to that. We have to cast it aside. You see, for Jesus to change our lives, we have to turn from all those things and come to him. Finally, as we look at this definition of saving faith, we notice that it was personal. What's interesting is when Bartimaeus in verse 51 calls Jesus rabbi, The word in the original language of the New Testament Greek is Rabboni. Rabboni. Bartimaeus said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. That is used only one other time in the entire gospel record. It was on the day of resurrection when Mary Magdalene saw Jesus alive. She called him Rabboni. Rabboni is stronger than rabbi. Rabboni means my Lord, my great master. It is an emphatic personal form. One pastor said this, the beggar had twice called him son of David. That was a national kingly title. But Rabboni, that was an expression of personal faith. And Bartimaeus went from confessing Jesus as Israel's Messiah to confessing him as his personal Lord. One of the greatest definitions of faith I've ever heard came from a radio preacher. As he began his message, he said, The first thing I want to do before I bring my message is I want to explain to you what faith is. And then he defined faith. He said this, Faith is personal trust in a personal Savior. Faith is personal trust in a personal Savior. And when your faith becomes personal like this, you are convinced, you are humbled, you are determined, and repentant, and you personally trust that Savior, He will save you and change your life. There's a final condition that we have to meet if we are to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus, and that is we must expect a new life direction. Did you notice how this story ends? And Jesus said to him, verse 52, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. Did you notice this says that Bartimaeus began to follow Jesus What's interesting is in the gospel of Mark, this is a technical term for becoming a disciple. Jesus said in chapter 8, whoever would follow me, let him take up his cross and deny himself and follow me. The word way is a very interesting way here as well. We see this as Bartimaeus following him on the road. But in the gospel record, the word way has another meaning. It refers to the way of Jesus. And what Bartimaeus clearly realized was this that the receiving of his sight was not the end, but it was the beginning. The beginning of a lifelong commitment of following Christ. Did you know in the Gospel of Mark, most of the people that Jesus healed, their names are not revealed. Read through it sometimes and notice they remain in obscurity. And you ask the question, why then is this man named? Why do we know that he was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus? This is unique. You know what the answer is? Bartimaeus very likely became a well-known member of the Jerusalem church. And what started that day with a miracle of his eyes being opened and his coming into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ ensued in a lifelong new direction in his life. Do you know when you, met, when you meet Jesus for the first time and he changes you, the biggest changes are yet to come? The biggest changes occur after you meet Jesus. If I were to ask you today who is the man who the first President Bush called America's pastor, you would say, well, I know who that is. That's Billy Graham. Listen to what Billy Graham one time said about saving faith. Look what he said. He said, faith that saves has one distinguishing quality, Saving faith is a faith that produces obedience. It is a faith that brings about a way of life. And that's why Jesus saves us. He saves us for a new way of life. A life of following him. A life of obeying him. And this life is the most exciting life that anyone can ever experience because it is a life where Jesus changes us from the inside out. Let me ask you this morning, have you experienced these three conditions? Have you admitted your spiritual blindness Have you had a real experience of saving faith? And is it now leading in a new direction of following, loving, and obeying Jesus? There was a man who went to a a church and somebody came to him one day and said, Do you believe what that church believes? The man said, No, I don't. And the person said to him, well then, if you don't believe what that church believes, why do you keep going Sunday after Sunday? He said, because that pastor does believe it. And this morning, with all of my heart, I believe what God's word says about Jesus. And I invite you to believe as well. And come to know him. Whom to know is life eternal. Take a moment with me and bow your head. Close your eyes. And let's be still for just a few moments before the Lord. Perhaps you're here today and you're not sure where you stand with Christ. This is the clearest that I know how, to make the message of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ plain to you. And the Spirit of God is present, and I have prayed that He would open your eyes, soften your heart, and draw you into personal faith in Jesus Christ. And today, you can do that right where you're sitting. As your head is bowed and your eyes are closed and no one's looking around, you can say something like this, Lord, I believe that spiritually I'm that blind beggar. My sins have alienated me from God. I do not know his life in my heart. And my understanding has been darkened. But Lord, I believe. I believe that Jesus is Lord, he's God. I believe that he is Christ, he is King. And I believe that he is Jesus, he is Savior. And I believe that he came into this world, he went to the cross, he died there on that cross for my sins. I believe on Easter Sunday morning he rose from the dead. And I believe today he offers eternal life. You may say something like this from your heart to the heart of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I'm repenting. I'm turning from my own way. And I'm turning to you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Make me a child of God. And believing your word that whoever believes has eternal life. And now believing that you have brought me into your family. God helping me from this day forward. I will follow you in the way. I will follow you with all of my heart. You may say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Lord God, today by the power of the Holy Spirit who is present, I pray that you will do what men and women, boys and girls cannot do on their own. That you would open their eyes to see the glory Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you will take hearts of stone and you will turn them into hearts of clay. And that you will bring people to personal faith in a personal savior. That they might be transformed by the gift of eternal life and then begin a wonderful journey of following Jesus and being transformed in the greatest way possible from the inside to the outside. Lord, draw people to yourself today. and we will thank you and praise you for Jesus' great sake. Amen. In a moment, we will close. You are all invited to join us for a wonderful breakfast in the gymnasium been specially prepared for us. But I want you to know if you have questions about anything you've heard today, and if you're unsure of where you stand with the Lord, the reason this church exists is so that we might spread the message of eternal life for all to believe. And we just encourage you, whether it's a question today or coming to me and saying, Pastor, we need to get together, or a phone call later in the week, or a note through the mail whatever we can do to help you on your journey to Christ. That's why we're here. God bless you. And have a great Easter in here.